Good morning, Sunset. It's nice to see you, and we're so grateful that uh, we're maintaining this contact through uh, our Facebook Live page. It's, it's exciting to know that you're at home right now uh, connecting and that we're uh, in this assembly all together. The Spirit of the Lord is present, and, uh, and, and so we are enjoying this time of, of, of worship together. It's also good to see a number of uh, friends and neighbors also connecting and uh, we're grateful that, that you are connecting this morning and look forward to uh, uh, having the opportunity to meet physically at, at some point in the future. Uh, we know everyone is anxious to get back to their lives and uh, as we begin to see the unfolding of uh, or the rolling back of some of the distancing measures, um, the elders are in contact with one another in communication and, uh, and as we hear specific guidelines and recommendations, uh, we will be then thinking about, we're already thinking about, but then we'll be practicing uh, a return to physical assemblies here in the building. Um, realistically, it's gonna happen in phases. We're not gonna just open the door and everything back to normal, but uh, 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 please stay connected and, uh, and, and we'll uh, find ways we will communicate and then find ways to, uh, to, to gather again. Also, uh, if you happen to have been furloughed from your job or if you're in a specific situation where we can help in some way, please let us know. Uh, the phones are open. Uh, uh, we are answering the phones all week and you can call the church office and uh, we will answer and uh, we, we want to help, especially uh, our own members, but situations uh, that you're aware of. And, and please don't forget to uh, send in your offering if you're able to. Um, and uh, either through uh, mail, send a check, or you can do it through online giving, and, uh, and you can also drop off cash here at the building. We had a brother come by this morning and drop off a, a, a contribution, and so uh, that's also a, a possibility, whatever is most convenient and effective uh, for you. Our, our text today comes from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. And so uh, I invite you to go ahead and, and be pulling that up on your devices or finding it in your Bible. And, and while you're doing that, let me ask you a question. Do you know what a busker is or busking? Um, it, it's a person who performs music or some sort of entertainment on the street and then asks for donations uh, from the public that are, that are gathered. Uh, those are uh, typically seen in subways, but in major cities they're seen in, 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 on street corners or sometimes they even uh, 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 at a stoplight. Well, in, uh, on a cold January morning in 2007, uh, a busker started playing a violin at the L'Enfant uh, Plaza subway station in Washington, D.C. He played six Bach pieces, classical music, for about 45 minutes. About three minutes into his performance, uh, 63 people had rushed by and didn't even stop or didn't pay attention. One man finally slowed down, leaned up against a wall and watched. It was six minutes before that man finally entered into, uh, engaged the, uh, the, the musician that was playing the violin. In total, over a thousand people rushed by without even giving the gentleman a second glance. 27 people threw change in as they were running by, and after uh, that entire time, uh, the grand total of amount of money that the individual, the young man collected, was $32. Now, no one recognized the individual, 
but he was a well-known and is a well-known uh, a world-class violinist named Joshua Bell. Uh, two days before playing in the subway, he sold out a theater in Boston and the seats averaged $100 a piece to get in. Uh, Bell normally makes $1,000 a minute at the concert he plays. The violin he was playing and he plays regularly, but also when he was at that subway station in DC, uh, it was a Stradivarius worth $3.5 million. Now, this event was organized uh, by the Washington Post newspaper as part of a social experiment about people's priorities and their perceptions. Uh, the Post ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize for the piece, and uh, one of the conclusions or one of the issues that they were kind of uh, digging into was um, if, if we don't have a moment to stop and listen to a world-class musician playing some of the most intricate pieces in the world, how many other things are we missing as we rush through life? Well, our text today talks about two individuals and really a larger group of people who didn't recognize someone who was extremely great in their very own midst. And so let's go to the text in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 and following. Uh, the, the, the scriptures read as following. Now that same day, same day as Easter, this is in the afternoon, that same day two of the disciples were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened these days? What things? He asked, the stranger asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive, then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women said, but we have not seen him. And then the stranger said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then go to his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures about himself. As they approached the village where they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Then they got up 
and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when they broke the bread. It's Easter afternoon. Jesus has been crucified. Reports of a resurrection, of him being resurrected, have started to go around. But these disciples still haven't believed it. They haven't seen it for their own eyes, and they're still in doubt. You can sense their sadness and their discouragement, their sense of hopelessness. They're lost, and they don't know what to do, so they're just going to go back home. They're retreating, not necessarily out of fear, but in this case, they're retreating to their homes out of discouragement and disappointment. We had hoped that he was the one. And then the text says that this stranger started walking alongside them. They didn't recognize him. We don't know why. We don't know if Jesus's post-resurrection body looked different uh, than his pre-resurrection body. We don't know it was because they were so downcast they didn't even want to look up. We don't know if somehow God was preventing them from recognizing Jesus. All the text says is that they didn't recognize him. And then when Jesus kind of probes why they're so discouraged, uh, they say what one author has called the gospel according to Cleopas. And it's a fair representation of what had happened and what was going on except for the part about the resurrection. It stopped short of the resurrection. So then Jesus begins and he whips out his uh, a PowerPoint presentation and gives them a Bible study of everything the scriptures had said. Wouldn't you like to have a copy of that PowerPoint? Of, uh, but we can do that. But I'm sure that Jesus would have presented in a way that would have just blown our socks off. And then as they're approaching their village, nighttime is approaching. Jesus is going to keep on walking and they make a request and it's always, every time I read this, the words to that uh, uh, Maurice Williams and the Zodiac song, later covered by the Hollies and by Jackson Brown, stay. Won't you stay just a little bit longer? Please, please stay. And so Jesus does stay. And he enters their home as a guest. And then he sits down at the table as a guest. And then he takes the bread and breaks it and gives it to him. And all of a sudden they recognize him not as a stranger, not as a, a guest, but they recognize him as the host. It was only then that they realized that it was true, that Jesus had resurrected. And so they immediately get up and probably run back to Jerusalem, those seven miles, walking it might have taken three hours, running it would have been less than, than an hour, and, uh, and they meet with the disciples and they tell them the same things that they had been experiencing. It's a neat story. I, I, I love the story. Let me just ask you, have your eyes been opened to things that you haven't seen before these last couple weeks of quarantine, of living with the social distancing? You know, the frantic pace that many of us lived would have kept us from seeing perhaps a world-class violinist playing a three and a half million dollar violin just on the corner, just in our path. 
And I think sometimes the frantic pace of life could also have affected how much we saw of God. Um, I know of individuals that have communicated to me and to various of the staff that, that they are feeling more connected to God than ever, that they're finding ways to join with others in prayer, that they're finding ways to develop spiritual disciplines, to read scripture, to spend time meditating. It, it, it really is giving us an opportunity to focus on what is important because those are the things that we long for. We also long for interaction and connection with one another. And so phone calls and cards and, and text messages are, are ways that we, we can do this. You know, it's tragic that it's taken a virus to get us to slow down and begin to see some of the things that are truly important. You know, I think that this has also helped us to see, as you are at home right now, participating in a church assembly in your own home, perhaps this is also a time for us to open our eyes and see, wow, you know, we've spent so much time and energy doing church in a certain way, and now we realize that maybe a lot of those things that we've held near and dear are not that important when it comes to the grand picture and the grand scope of how we're doing church. Think about this assembly that you're a part of right now, how you have just shared the Lord's Supper with your family, with the ones who are gathered with, that you're gathered with in your home, how the, 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 the pomp and circumstance, as it were, of our assemblies just really doesn't fit and doesn't have much place. Our eyes can be opened during this time to see our church life, to see the people around us, and even see God in a different way. C.S. Lewis said years ago that the moments of pain and suffering that we go through are when we draw closest and nearest to God. As we continue in our homes, thank God that Jesus is still making house calls. He's visiting you in your home today. He's visiting every one of the homes of all those who are worshiping and, and, and being with him in presence and in this assembly. When you think about it, there's been a lot of discussion about who the other disciple, the unnamed. Cleopas was going with one other person. Some suggested maybe it was his wife. Some say it's just another disciple. We don't really know. But what is interesting is that maybe that unnamed disciple is there to represent us so that we can stick ourselves in that story. Because if you think back to your own relationship with God, Jesus probably appeared to you as a stranger, someone you had heard about, but someone that you didn't really know. And then you might have invited him into your home as a guest, into your life as a guest, to say, come on, Jesus, join me. Uh, 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 come on to, to, to my boat or, or join me in my car. You're my co-pilot. And then we realize that Jesus doesn't want to be just a guest. He doesn't want to be a co-pilot, but he wants to be the host. Because this banquet that he's hosting and this new life that he's offering is so important that he wants to make sure everyone is involved. He wants to make sure that he invites all of us to join, not only at the table, but also in this new life itself. Do you remember the first recorded meal in the Bible? It happens back in Genesis, and it had to do with some fruit. That meal ended up changing 
the history of humankind forever. As a result of that meal, death, despair, and darkness entered into the world. Our rebellion as humans reached its maximum point. The whole creation was subjected to decay, futility, and sorrow. But now with this meal in the book of Luke, the first time the post-resurrected, the resurrected Jesus shares a meal with his disciples, now we see a new future and a new hope. God's new creation, brimming with new life and hope for all of us, is now the order of the day. The possibilities are endless. We have new life in Jesus. The, uh, the curse has been broken. Death does not have the final answer. And that, friends, is truly good news. If we can help you in your relationship with God, if we can help you in relationship with one another, if there's ways that we can walk alongside you to pray with you, to, to provide resources with you or for you, please let us know. Thank you for connecting with us today. Thank you for being a part of this assembly. As we conclude our services, one of our elders, Jeff Henson, uh, has some words and a prayer that he would like to lead, and then we'll have one last song to conclude. God bless you, and uh, God be with you.